I'll go grab a different one. That way we can have this at the same time then. Yeah, you sure? Yeah. All right, cool. Be right back. Just yes. start the intro. I'll just I'll just say hey whenever I need to. I'm <laughs> oh no, because you're the first person I introduce yeah. normally. He's usually hello. Yes, I'll have to. I'm going to go with you first, then Lucy. I shall start, and we'll hear all of his fumbling about with his headphone and his microphone when he comes back in. Yeah. Just to fucking interrupt us, right? Let's start. Let's start. <laughs> Welcome to Tanked Up, the podcast all about video games and beer. I am Ben Noda. Yeah, see, there you go. I can hear you. Headphones are awesome. ruining the audio. (laughs) We'd already start. See, we did start. Yeah, Yeah, I did say start. Good. Yes, yes. I'm not going to restart. No, no. This is just going to be in it. I'm joined this week by Lucy Yeward. Hello. Hey, Lucy. And by Adol Koji. Hi. Yeah, back. Hi. Yeah, yeah hi. I'm back and front. I'm left and right. <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh, how are you this week, Lucy? You good? Yeah, I'm sound. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Oh, Ready I'm to drink fine. some beers. As always. Yes. Good. Good. Uh, Adol, how are you, man? How are the I'm eyes? Good. Sorry? How are the eyes? Eyes are excellent, actually. Turns out uh, a week and a half of steroids and medicinal drops as well and i didn't mean like steroid drops so my eyes are like ready to take down hulk hogan they are looking hench <laughs> yeah good good this week we're going to talk about some games we're going to drink some beers we've also got a little topic for you which revolves a little more around beer it's got nothing to do with games so it revolves completely around beer uh, but first what we are drinking uh, i shall begin I'm going to start off. I've, I've gone to the towards the north this week uh, with two northern breweries. Firstly, I'm drinking the Willem Remain in Light. Um, Willem, don't put that much information on their bottles. There's no flavour text. It's unfined. It's unfiltered. Uh, they do let you know that the Remain in Light is a super stacked alpha pale. 11.9 degrees Plato. OG 1048 and 5% ABV. That's it. So we get. Okay. I've heard a lot about Willem, so it should be interesting to see how good this beer is. Uh, Lucy, what are you drinking? I am drinking a brew from Ilkley Brewery, and it's called Alpha Beta or Beta, depending on how you say it. Um, it is a rye session IPA, 4.5%. Um, the text is big on flavor, easy on ABV, distinctive American hot character, body and depth from the rye, a little beer that's big and bold. Be surprised, be happy, enjoy our easy drinking session IPA. Nice, nice. I, I have had that beer. Mm. Uh, it was, it was very good. Yes. Yeah, it was in the... Uh, Beer 52 subscription box last month. Nice, nice. Uh, Adol, what are you starting off with? I'm going to have the Fallen Brewing Local Motive Session IPA. It is 3.9% and it's 100% natural. And it's best before the end. Locomotive, we've taken our session beer, brewed it especially for the Cross Keys Kippen, and turbocharged it with mosaic dry hops. Easy drinking, but loads of flavor. Nice. I know Fallen are in a uh, an old railway station, aren't they? So all of their beer names revolve around the railway, I believe. Yeah. All right, I didn't know that. I had that beer yesterday, last night. Really? Well... Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll let you judge it, but I really, I really enjoyed it. Nice, nice. I've seen Fallen around a little more at the moment. Mm. As soon as I cracked it, the um, the mosaic hop smell just wafted up in such a luxury, luxurious tropical way. Yeah, um, I really 
fucked up the pour, though. As you guys can see, it's like half of a glass of head. <laughs> so uh, I can't easily taste it right away. So I've interrupted pour, pour people who actually drink. Yeah, uh, able to drink. Uh, how's your beer, Ben? You've had some time. Um, I have. Um, it's a nice sort of amber color. Lots of little bits in the bottom uh, sticking to the glass and starting to float about. Uh, a little hazy, not too much. Uh, a small amount of head. It's got a lovely, lovely light smell to it. And you kind of um, expect that on the, the flavor as well. But actually, it's it's amazingly bitter yeah. right at the end. It just... You've kind of got this nice hoppiness. I'm going to have to have another sip. It's very dry. But right from the off, there's a little bit of fruitiness right at the beginning. But it kicks straight into this big, bitter hit. And that just lasts until now. So, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a few seconds. It dries out quite quickly. But it, it leaves that bitterness in your mouth you know, quite a lot. That is a big, bitter flavor. But it's nice. <laughs> I like that. Lucy, how's yeah. yours? Oh, it's really nice. Uh, as soon as I cracked it open, I could just smell like the fruits and the, you know, tropical fruits off the aroma. Um, a lot of those citra hops coming to the top, and you can just smell them immediately. Um, it's it's nice. It's it's not your typical hazy IPA that are so popular nowadays, but um, it's actually pretty clear. It's practically translucent, and it's a bit of a straw-coloured. Um, it's really light. Um, it's only four point five percent, so that's what you'd expect. Expect, but um, yeah, it's got a nice bit of fruit on the on the front end, and nice bit of bitterness on the back end as well. So it is, leaves a bit of a bitter aftertaste, which what you'd expect from a session IPA. Is I know the the, the Lotus had a little mm-hmm. bit of um, sort of almost like spearmint uh hint to it yeah is is the alphabet yeah. the one with mint in as well is that the one that very specifically I, says no. it's got mint in one of the no, ilkley ones did i think because i had the ilkley lotus because i remember you having it on the pod and i remember you saying it, it had a minty flavor mm. and then i was drinking it a few few days later because you know it's, it's pretty common you can find it in yeah, what I found yeah. in marks and spencers and I didn't really think about it until I remembered what you were saying. I was like, you know what? It does kind of do, have, have a little bit of mintiness in that, in the sort of bitterness on the end, mm, um, mm. the lotus. But um, no, the, the alpha beta, it, no, it just tastes like a normal bitterness, what you'd expect on an IPA. I mean, lots of IPAs nowadays are all about the fruit and the juice. Yeah. You don't always get that bitterness anymore. This just takes it back to basics and... Got that mm. nice bitterness on the end. I like I like a bit of balance in my IPA. Mm. Mm. I definitely just, remember that's what I, what I thought with the Alpha Beta too. That it was just sort of much more like a quintessential IPA, a nice sort of low percentage, mm-hmm. good example of what an IPA starts as versus what it evolves in the craft brewing scene. Yeah, definitely. Me, it's really nice. I've Your head, it's um, gone. The head is mostly gone. Yeah. Um, it's okay. quite hazy. It's really actually quite hard to see through. Um, sort of a, a burnt amber color as well. Uh, I think maybe a little more sort of light orange than yours, Ben, but it might just be the um, yeah. the lighting differences. But yeah. Yeah, okay. So yours is more red. Yes, yeah, it has got a redder tinge to it, yeah. Um, I was uh, a little wary because um, they said the mosaic was, was dry hopped, which means it ends up being mostly in the nose and less in the taste. Um, mm. And it's, it's definitely light, lighter than the nose, but you do get that hit of mosaic in your, in your, uh, on your tongue. What I find is actually quite interesting is um, it, it finishes quickly but wet. So like the, okay. Like it doesn't dry your mouth out, but it also the, the taste itself is, it doesn't linger. Um, which yeah. happens with the session IPA, but it's a little disappointing because um, I quite like the taste. Mm. Nice, nice. But yeah, it's definitely uh, sort of an IPA you could you give give someone who isn't into the big bitter. It's got mm. sort of the mid taste is, is still a stocky IPA, but there's there's not no big ham fisted bitterness, and the um, the mosaic sort of tempers across the entire taste. Which again is short, but it still gives that that sort of nice 
citrusy yeah. um, feel to it. Good, good, nice. So let's enjoy these and move into talking about video games. I think I shall probably start based upon our conversation earlier today <laughs> and sort of neither of you playing a huge amount of, of games. I know, I know Adel, you were... Yeah, zero <laughs> flusy. I know you were jumping in. Okay, Adel's played a couple of games, good. Uh, I've managed to play uh, a little bit of lots. Um, oh, what's that? Is if that you listen to um, us... uh, which <laughs> game is it? <laughs> it's a new one. You won't have heard of it. You won't what? have heard of it. What have you been playing? No. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of this game. <laughs> you lot, you lot being sarcastic. Yes. Oh, yeah. what is this game? Slightly, slightly <laughs> sarcastic. You've been um, japed. Yeah, <laughs> I, I haven't played any more uh, until dawn. Following our conversation last week, which wasn't on the live version of our podcast, if you listened to us uh, live last week, but was on the podcast recording that went up on the yeah. RSS on the published. Yes. Um, but I haven't got uh, got around to playing any more of that. Um, I did start a game called Yonder, um, the Cloud Catcher Chronicles. I think is the Ooh. subheading. Um, Never heard of it. <laughs> well, it, it released on Monday. Um, All right, I've okay. Been playing it a little early because I got a code because I'm doing a review for Out of Lives. Uh-huh. Um, is it on so PS4 or? Uh, it's on PS4. Yeah, it's. I think it's available on PS4 and through Steam. Um, okay. I think it might be Mac and PC. Uh, not sure. Don't quote me on that. I'll probably put that in the review once I've figured that out. Um, but I, I won't talk about it too much at the moment because because um, I'm writing this. Review for it, which you can go and actually read my thoughts it's rather just than me Windows, shouting them at you. It's just Windows, okay, mm. thank you. Um, so it's kind of an open world exploration light RPG. Um, I mean, uh, it's almost baby's first RPG. Uh, not in a horrible way at all. Mm. It's It's got no combat. It's all about exploration, about discovery. Um, you can explore, you can trade, you can craft. It's got a little resource management in there because you can uh, build farms and get you know animals from the wild to come to your farms to give you more resources, which obviously open up more crafting, open up more recipes. Uh, and it's RPG in the sense that you're running around an open world doing quests for people. Some of them are fetch quests. Um, uh, well, pretty much all of them are fetch quests, really. Uh, mm. You know, a lot of go to this town, either buy this item or craft it and bring it back to me. Uh, there is a main storyline, which I think I'd completed in about three hours. Oh, wow. So something it's... really, really short. That's for uh, an RPG as well. Yeah, I mean, it, it's RPG light. There's no leveling up. Okay. Uh, you, you essentially just learn a new recipes so is it more uh, more akin to like a minecrafting than a rpg in that yeah although minecraft you build armor and shit but like mm, your character dude, it's a little bit of combat in minecraft i mean i'd i'd probably say it's kind of like the expert it feels a lot like the exploration of something like wind waker crossed oh, okay. with uh crossed with like a harvest moon or stardew valley almost yeah um, okay i see it's one of those games that I I played for an evening, finished the main storyline, and thought all of the rest of it is just ancillary stuff. I'll I'll dive into it a little because I you know I want to explore the game as much as possible for the review. Uh, put the game down, had played a little a little bit more, and actually picked it up last night and ended up playing it again for a couple of hours, and it it kind of draws you in because the world, the music. The aesthetic is all very calming. It's very pleasant. Yeah. It's a very chilled out experience. It's almost um, how I uh, approached No Man's Sky in, mm. the, um, in the first couple of weeks. That game for me was just bop between a few planets, look at some stuff, have some nice music on in the background, and just relax. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, No Man's Sky came out um, you know, just after Evelyn had been born, so that time was sort of high stress, new life to keep alive. 
and, and, and you know no man's sky provided me with some downtime uh, and this i think fits into that kind of camp as well i won't say much more about it go and read right. my review um but yeah i just i just looked it up on google really nice aesthetic oh, really, yeah, i can see you know just yeah like just a relaxing kind of game yeah yeah, yeah. yeah very much very much um my only criticism not my only criticism but the, the main criticism is that as i've just said everything kind of feels ancillary right. to yeah. just getting through the, the, the main quest you, you don't feel like you have to do anything which can be a benefit if you want that nice calming experience and you don't want to feel pressured into having to reach a goal or you know make sure that you've crafted so many items to be able to hand into somebody yeah does it strike you as like the main narrative is maybe not needed and would be sort of a more solid sort of whole game if it was just more like a stardew valley where it was about just being um no, because I think that the uh, the the main quest, as such, the narrative, gave you a little bit of a focus in the early game, and I think maybe that's why it's so short, hmm. because it wants you to experience the the game, experience the mechanics, experience what's it's what it's about, and then it allows you to open up and do more. It's like the narrative is the tutorial almost. Almost, almost. I mean, you can, you can, even the narrative, you can take at your own pace. I, I, you know, went off the path and did side quests and did right. some resource management and stuff, uh, you know, early on. And, and, you know, didn't even then didn't feel pressured to to complete the, the, the story quest at all. So, so what's the overall goal of the game? Where are you trying to get to? Like, what's your... Collect the clouds. Try to catch them off. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, the, the the main story quest um, there is murk. It's this purpley haze mm, that engulfs yeah. certain parts of the map, and you have to create collect sprites, sort of like fairy type creatures, who help you dispel the murk. And essentially, you're trying to fix a cloud catcher to basically spreading across the world yeah yeah it's yeah. Zelda. It's, yeah. it's it's standard kind basically. of rpg uh you know story uh, yeah it's got some nice writing there's um hmm. there's a couple of nice um hidden bits as well something i only discovered right towards the end of my my play session last night which i thought was very well written and actually quite funny but hidden hidden away so much that you could play through that game and just never find it um, so it's got a little bit of depth to it, but not not a huge amount. Is it voice acted or no? No, no voice acting. Yeah. There's lots of mm, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so, so, so it is an RPG. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very much a sort of. Uh, it um. Do you have a lot of character customization, or is are you like some dude or dudette? You know, you you, you well you you only be male or female. You do have a bit of character customization at the start. Um, you can change, I think, hair, eyes, hair color, and build as well. So you can make yourself super skinny or quite large. Or a combat mage. Well, yeah. <laughs> well um, you do have different uh, items of clothing which you can pick up uh, throughout as well. So you can change your appearance a little bit. You can dye your hair. You can put on different hats. All these games, all the hats. Hats everywhere. That's that's what sells, man. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's not expensive. I think if you were new to the RPG scene, it would be a, a, a good sort of dip in the water to test out whether you want to jump into a, a much larger sort of RPG open world game. Um, and the the not having combat uh, helps as well. So yeah, so that's Yonder. Um, you can read my review. I think. Um, yeah, might might go up Friday, so might go up the same day that um, the pod is published. Might go, I might push it to next Monday. Evelyn's not been very well, and Kim's not been very well either, actually. So oh, that's not good. I haven't had as much time to write as I would have liked over the last couple of days. Uh, Get some beer down, then I'll be fine. Yeah, we're here, exactly. Yeah. I've, been, I've been trying her on the brandies just to see if that'll help her sleep. <laughs> so it doesn't seem to be doing so well so far. Um, so yes, we shall move on. Adel. You you poked up two two fingers I, at us. I did hold to up two fingers. Maybe you played two games. Yeah, um, <laughs> sort of. 
Um, then two <laughs> short things. Uh, one, um, Duelist came out with an expansion this okay. week. Um, as well as they had their um, full update, which changed all the money to having to buy diamonds instead of buying things directly with dollar signs because it was now they're owned by Bandai. And I thought that was really oh, telling. Yeah. Because um, yeah, because uh, yeah, we all know that people can't do the conversion in their head near, as as easily, and will spend more money when it's a interim currency. One of the things I liked about it, even though I never spend money on the game because you don't really have to, um, is things were in dollars. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah. the new expansions actually added quite a lot of new mechanics, and it's made the game kind of more excuse me more aggressive. Um, so three of the okay. factions got sort of cards that um, make tiles into um, things that their faction does well. So one of them, the Vitruvians, for example, they their main mechanic uh, of, of the race um, is that um, they create these, they have these like monoliths that just spout out um, sort of 2-2 two, two creatures every turn that die at the end of the turn. And they got more of those, mm-hmm. but they also got the ability to turn tiles into exhuming sands and any time they summon a minion, every open exhuming sand tile will summon one of their dervishes. Their two two permanent dervishes, not their fake ones. So if they yeah. can suddenly, you can get an army much quicker if you have the right sort of cards. And then the the nice. sort of the okay. more knights healing class um, has um, basically tiles that will every any unit that is down a health and down health will get one health up just by standing on it at the end of your turn. Mm. So you can sort of keep healing your army up and not lose your uh, your people. Stuff like that. Um, they also came out with Sentinels, which are 3-3 three, three creatures that look identical. Um, and then when a triggering condition by the opposing um, general or the you know your, your opposition happens, they morph into a more powerful creature, but you don't know what they are. And so, like, some of them, one of them's rare and, like, He's 3-3, but as soon as you cast a spell, he turns into, uh, I think, a 1-5 ranged character, but every time he attacks, he spawns a 4-4 flying dragon. So as long as you keep him alive, you just suddenly are just pumping out. And flying means you can go anywhere in the map. You're not limited by two movements like every other unit. So suddenly it's a very powerful card, and and they don't know what it is. You just kind of have to start killing these 3-3s as much as possible. So that was just a nice update that... It's clearly actively um, changing the pace of the game and, and the play styles, and I think that's, that's really good. So mm. thought I'd mention nice. that. Good to keep it fresh. Yeah. Good, good. I can see uh, Lucy slowly sinking into her chair yeah. more and more through <laughs> the. Um... Like, I, I think I said it was going to be a quick thing. Just, um, just that it was. It was nice to see a big change. Um, the uh, the second thing I just wanted to say was um, both Super Hot and Super Hot VR have come out on the PlayStation this week. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And so although I don't have them on the PlayStation, uh, I've I've I love both those games. Uh, I actually think normally I'm against my favorite first person shooters on controllers, but because time doesn't move fast, I think aiming on the controller isn't going to isn't an issue. It is like precision isn't going to be the same problem mouse versus controller because you can take your time and so I just don't think I think it's a perfect fit for um, a controller even though I've never tried it um, so the original Super Hot I'm glad they brought that over as well because obviously Super Hot VR makes total sense so long as it's yeah. Um, yeah, accurate right. I am curious yeah, yeah. Um, given that it'll be with the move controllers so just LED tracking essentially versus the really fancy Rift and Vive tracking technologies hmm. I'm curious about that. Because it's a slow-paced game, the move should be able to handle it. Yeah, I think I'm just curious how sort of how it would feel differently. Um, But they've finally stopped giving me free codes because I was an early backer, so I don't have a PSN (laughs) code for it. So I can't A to B to C um, Super VR. But I just wanted to bring that up because if Super Hot or Super VR passed you by and you are a PlayStation person, Instead of a PC person, definitely pick up either. I, I'm a big fan of both. I think they're yeah, both unique yeah. enough as well, independently of each other, to get both if you have the, the VR. But Superhot's awesome. Play it. Yeah, I played it on Xbox, and playing for control, absolutely fine in that game, yeah. 
really enjoyed that. That was like that came out last year, didn't it? Yeah. That was like one of the better first person shooters. I think last it might year. be my favorite shooter of last year, despite mm. well, I don't even know. Battlefield one was the year before I do this all the time. But you mm. you haven't played Doom yet though, have you? No. Because Well reasons. then Doom would be your favourite. <laughs> uh, I, I I will get back to you because now I have eyes, so I can start playing games yeah. again on the television, which is what everything's connected to. Which also means I won't be stuck to playing games on the laptop, which means I'll probably be playing less Duelist finally, so everyone can stop having to hear me talk about it. <laughs> now you've just got into the uh, into the refresh, into the expansion. Oh, I'll still probably play the odd game, yeah, but um, I'm in no rush. It does mean that like a couple of my decks were really good and like could consistently beat people at a certain level. No more. It's like, oh, yeah, the pace is different. This deck's garbage. <laughs> Fuck. Oh, wait, this is why I like these games. Yeah, I mean, it's it's how I felt about Gwent. We've had this conversation, haven't we? Um, it, it's it's how I felt about Gwent when it went from um, closed beta to public beta. Yeah. Uh, they completely changed the way a couple of the decks ran uh, and wiped all of your progress and cards and stuff when, yeah. you, when you jumped into the public beta, which was fine. I had... I, I mean that's the I wasn't nature worried of about that, beta, but right? um, yeah, yeah, completely. Um, but I haven't played it anywhere near as much um, as I as I did through the closed beta um, because essentially I'm having to relearn the the deck that I was playing changed so much, right? That um, it, it, my play style would have had to have changed, and it hasn't hasn't quite held me as as yeah. much as the uh, as the closed beta uh, uh, had done. But as you say, it's the nature of these kind of games. They they want to change. They want to evolve to yeah. keep things fresh, to keep people going. And any kind of card game like that, you have to change. Otherwise, people just run the same deck yeah. all the time. And then you you play a counter deck to that. Someone plays a counter deck to that. And, yeah. and that's all it turns into. Yeah, it's it's in in the Magic the Gathering. Uh, this is where I knew uh, it, it's called the meta. So the meta game yeah. is people because yeah. with Magic the tournaments are all publicized and what people's deck lists are. So. People who even play sort of in like in card shops in small like in local tournaments and stuff because they know what won at the like world championships or whatever yeah, everyone starts yeah. running similar decks so you have to have a response to the big name decks because someone will be cloning it etc etc which I actually really dislike because when I used to played Magic it was in junior high and no one had a fucking clue so we all played really disparate <laughs> decks right because but now it's like if you go to like um, um, my, my buddy Adam used to be a judge um, uh, level 3 judge and, uh, and, and so I heard a lot about the stuff and it just ends up being the same decks sort of pitted against each other with very little variance and that's not nearly as fun an idea for me, and I think that's why what Duelist has kept me because there's five factions, and each faction has its own um, two generals with different special abilities. So mm-hmm. you get there's a lot of different ways of, of, and you know there's different ways of interplaying decks because there's sort of small groups of things that interplay. So it means I can try a really stupid deck, and it seems to work sometimes. And then they come out with an expansion, and that deck doesn't work, and then I get lazy, and I'm like, nah, maybe I'll take a break. <laughs> nice, nice. Um, so, uh, you know, as Lucy has almost fallen asleep, I might as well talk about the Banner Saga too, hadn't I? Oh, yeah, another <laughs> point and click at a tile and then wait for the next turn. No, I'm not going to talk about the Banner Saga 2. Let's open up some beers. Um, I'm going to be drinking the Buxton Brewery Kingslayer Double IPA 8%. Always store chilled. Drink super fresh and respect your the hops. That's that's it. Is that is this like uh, your your choice for the return of Game of Thrones? Um, <laughs> almost, almost. It's one of those uh, picks that um, I'd seen a lot of people in the old beer circles on Twitter enjoying. So when I saw it in the beer shop, I thought I would uh, I would try it. Essentially, modern day peer pressure. Yeah, and I, I, I like how I pretended I didn't know that because I think we actually went on that beer trip together. We were in the beer shop together, <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do you got there, Lucy? I have the Bellini Vice from Magic Rock Brewing Company. Oh, that's it's right. a peach. Yeah, I love Magic Rock. It is a peach and raspberry 
I never know how to say this. Berliner Weiss? Berliner Weiss, yeah. Weiss. Weiss. No sprechen the German or what, however you say it. So <laughs> I never know how to say that. I like how almost, almost. you got to sprechen and then it's like, abandon all hope. Fuck it. I don't care. <laughs> German. Nice. Oh, well, no one speaks that anymore, do they? Uh, many yeah. countries. <laughs> yeah, well, let's let's continue. Yeah, uh, the malts are golden promise, malted wheat, and torrified wheat. Never heard of that. How is it oh. spelled? I'm very okay. curious. It's like terrified, but with an O. I don't know what torrified means. No, I don't either. I've never heard that word before. Uh, maybe it's a... <clears throat> Torrified wheat can be used in place of raw wheat in Belgian-style Witzebeers. Also very good for adding body and head, especially to English ales. Since it has not been malted, you can't, can't sub it for malted wheat. Because it's not malted, it needs to be mashed with a diastatic malt in order to convert the starches. Thanks, Homebrew really Stack Exchange. Yeah. <laughs> nice. nice. Yeah, the fruit is peach and raspberry, so I'm guessing they used real fruits in this. Um... And it is 4.5%. What's interesting about that beer is that it's a 330ml can, which seems yes. odd for Magic Rock. Yeah, they usually mm. do 500, don't they? They do. I know they're, they're standard beers, um, or uh, used to come in, in 330ml cans, didn't they? Um, I'm yeah. trying to think of the ones like the, the Stouts and a few of the other, yeah. um, of their sort of core range of beers. Uh, but yeah, all of their their newer ones have been the the bigger bigger cans. So yeah, I've been scammed free thirty. <laughs> what are you what are you drinking out of? I'm drinking uh, from a 330 mil can. Uh, the CLWB Tropicana Tropical IPA Club. from Tiny Club. Rebel Club. Club Tropicana. Club Tropicana. Yeah, had that the other day as well. So did I. Well, I had that quite a while ago, actually. Mm, I, was say, yeah. I believe it was in a beer came in. too. <laughs> yes. It was. Yeah. Yes. I know uh, they're one of your one of your top breweries, aren't they, Lucy? Oh, not top, but oh, I, wow. I really like some of their beer. Like, Quip Tracker is pretty nice. Um, their Quitch. Uh, yeah. That's an old favourite, but yeah, that, that, that one's nice. Uh, yeah, the they're expanding. I think they recently, I sent the link to you two, um, have another like um, beer room up in, I can't remember, is some, well, they're based in Wales, but. Yeah, they're a Cardiff. Is it Cardiff? Uh, yeah. Cardiff I, I think, yeah, yeah. I think oh, they built another tap room somewhere, which looks uh, pretty nice. Yeah. Maybe they're tap rooms in Cardiff. Yeah, maybe that's where I've. Uh come across them a little more mm. uh, i mean uh, you know i say it is years ago now um during one of the first episodes we ever did alex and i had the foo bar mm. i believe um which was not that memorable it wasn't fucked up beyond the whole recognition <laughs> <laughs> no no it wasn't uh it, you know it was definitely a beer but um yeah yeah i'm uh, gonna have to remember uh, that how is there are definitely beers I have had which are Fubar beers because they no longer taste like beers. Yes, yes, a few I can think of. Um, how is yours, Adol? As you've uh, you've opened it and you had a wow moment when you um, when you poured. I fucked up the pour again. I'm dropping all the f bombs. Um, <laughs> it's um, it's ambery, slightly hazy. Um, the wow was getting the hit of the tropical smell. Yeah. Uh, Right out, again, right after, after I cracked the can. Uh, it's one of my favorite things about um, craft beers is, is is having that hit of smell that you just don't get in regular beers and not often off of cracking a can or a bottle. Um, it's quite tropical, um, not very bitter. Mm. But a, just a touch dry. But the finish is sort of a little dry, but masked by the fruit juice, which kind of lingers longer than I'd like because I don't get enough of the beery taste. The bitterness does last longer. The finish is quite mm. long, but like 
but half the finish is is, is more sweet tropical, just because that's also coming along with the finish. Yeah, and it it, it sort of I I'm enjoying it as it's fading away more than uh, uh, like as the finish itself is fading away more more than uh, as the beer taste is fading away because of that. But it's really tasty. Okay. How about yourself? Yeah. Um, this is a bit of an odd beer. It's it. The nose is so light. I get barely anything off of that. A little, a little fruitiness. A little kind of uh, a little tropical fruitiness. Not not a huge amount though. And then in the taste, it's very sweet. And you get that. You do get that tropical hit, but it it kind of makes way into almost more of a a, a biscuity malt. Oh, really? Um, but but sort of, yeah, sort of maintains quite sweet throughout. Um, so you get that first punch of that that, that hoppy uh, hit. But, yeah, uh, I mean, those malts are definitely coming through in this, which is nice. And you, you don't you, you can't tell it's 8% at all. It's a very sort of light and sweet beer. Mm. Kind of not 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 sickly, but it kind of goes along that that boundary i think yeah. if you had a couple of these it might be a little bit too much is that uh, from the malt like a lot of sweetness from the malt yeah or? i think it is yeah yeah <laughs> one more sip just to be sure well lots <laughs> more sips in a bit just to be sure yes i mean like i say that 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 tropical hop hip is is sweet to start with but it doesn't let up at all like those mm-hmm. that that kind of biscuity malt does have a a sweetness to it and and it's not dry either so this this sweetness lingers and lingers mm. and lingers uh, which i think is what maybe gives it that kind of not quite sickly feel to yeah. it just because it's very sweet very yeah. sweet do you, th- do you think that's coming off from what you drank last which you said was really bitter it could be i mean they're, they're very very different beers uh, so it could just be that the the difference between the two is making me uh, experience that sweetness a lot more than mm. than I would do say if I'd have had like the the, the club tropicana uh, you know had another sort of tropical hoppy beer perhaps yeah um, so yeah it's it's that juxtaposition between the two which kind of makes it um, maybe a little too sickly for um, for me right at the moment but. I'm sure the more I drink it, the the more balanced and uh, the the more the hops will come through. Perhaps yeah. we shall see. We shall see. How's yours, Lucy? Uh, well, my fear is well before I open the can, my fear was that it was going to be quite sour, as is with Berliner vices, yeah, yeah. Um, as you'd expect. But uh, it's not too bad. It's not it's not so sour that like. I don't know. Your face scrunches up, and you just pucker in. <laughs> it's not too bad. It's it, it's palatable for someone like me who doesn't really like sour beers. Um, uh, it, it, what were the fruits? Raspberry and peach. Peach, yeah. yeah, peach and raspberry. Um, I don't know if it's my palate that can't distinguish because all I'm really getting is sourness. But you can tell okay. there's fruit in there. But um, mm. it's probably just me and my ignorance that I can't you know, distinctively tell what the peach and the raspberry is. Um, I think in the aftertaste you're getting a bit more fruit, but on the front end you can definitely taste that sourness. Um, it's pretty clear in in appearance, um, you know, not hardly carbonated as you'd expect from sour beer, head dissipated straight away. Um, but, yeah, it's a pleasant beer, and I'd say if you're not into sour beers, this is one that would scare you away. I mean... It's drinkable. It, I won't drink it as fast as, say, the session IPA yeah, that I had sure. last, because that went with, within seconds. But <laughs> the, <laughs> this one's, you know, slow drinking, hot day. Want something that's refreshing, which it is, and just something that will clean your palate. And it's, it's it's a really nice beer. It's not my style of beer, but for a sour ale, it's pretty decent. I like it. Nice, nice. Uh, I'm, you know. I'm not much of a sour man either. I, I can mm. do a Berliner Weiss. That's about as sour as I think I can, I yeah. can get. But I am definitely not a peach lover. 
I've, I've had a couple of beers where peach has really shone through and mm. es- essentially I've got about halfway through and just not finished them because it's just not a, a, a taste I enjoy. Yeah. So, um, You're more of a Daisy might... fan, are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm getting more of the raspberry. It tastes like a raspberry that's a bit sour, but it's still a decent raspberry. Like you've mm. got a bit of sweetness in there. So. Picked, picked straight off of the uh, the vine. Yeah. Bush. Yeah, it's a well-balanced beer. Yeah, Bush. Yeah. Sweet, so, yeah, definitely. <laughs> good, good. Um, let's move into our topic and talk more about beer. Uh, Lucy, you brought this to us. I did. Um, yesterday, today, might have been today. Um, and it's, it, it's quite an interesting topic, considering I decided to drop the word craft from our intro for the last few episodes. Um, uh, before we go into the topic... Just the the idea that SEBA uh, are using a new kite marking system. Um, the independent British craft brewer seal. But we'll get into that a little bit more as we discuss it. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump over to you, Lucy. Why did you bring us this topic, and what is it? Well, it, it interested me recently because, I mean, especially over in America, there's been quite a lot of like um big breweries big craft breweries you know the ones not not big in size or distribution or, or stuff like that but their name um, yeah reputation is re- yeah reputation is really out there and a lot of them have been acquired by your ab imbevs and you know your heinekens and everything and mm-hmm. even as recently as uh rape beer um yeah who was it was it heineken no that's ab imbev isn't it I can't remember. It was it was one of these big multinational companies, and they they acquired like a substantial portion of rape beer, and it only been made public like several months after the acquisition. So, mm, mm. It, I mean, it's not shady; it's business. But there's well, been a lot of things happening shady. recently. <laughs> well, that is very true. But there's there's been a lot going on about that, and you know, brewers have been pulling out of festivals, been pouring, you know, pulling their their beers off rape beer or from, you know, stores and stuff like that, just in, just in protest. So the article that I brought today was just basically a, um, it's basically a row, isn't it? Amongst yeah, the, almost, yeah. Yeah. Amongst it's a row about brewers. craft. It is, yes. But basically what, may happen in the future um you might be able to tell what's independent as in you know acquired by a big company but still brewing you know in quotes independent beer not too much you know influence from the um from their owners um against smaller craft beers all due to like a label but um I don't know. It, it, it seems it seems weird because most people who are into craft beer could probably distinguish and know what beers they mm. want to drink, oh, whereas but, people who are just looking for ma- not mass market as such, but who who are just looking to get beer, is wow. that really going to matter too much? I think um, outside of ourselves and our, our Twitter friends and people who listen to the podcasts about beer, there are. Quite a few, at least, I mean, back home, I know a lot of people like craft beers, but don't know much about the companies and aren't really interested. Yeah. Um, what I think, I mean, one of the reasons why we talked about dropping the word, word craft from our um, pod description was because it's kind of a weird word, and uh, and uh, I think the Beer Clock Show dropped it several months ago. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. they, they dropped it for a little because, while. Because yeah. it's about beer. Um, and and we had similar thoughts. That, that what, what is the word craft actually doing? Which is also where it kind of... The problem with the word craft is that it, it's... It is treated synonymously with independent or small. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. In much the way that uh, in North America, the microbrew revolution that happened... Uh, in the sort of early 2000s, early mid 2000s, that 
had microbreweries had were by definition small, and when big breweries started coming up with small uh, sub brands and tried to market them as microbrews, people also had a um, a backlash. And then we've moved on to craft, and I actually I don't know if I have a problem with like a big brand buying. So this sort of came out to a head when Carlsberg bought um, the London Fields Brewery. Yep. Yeah. Um, and uh, which was like last month, right? Something like that. Yeah, uh, last month, month before, perhaps. It's very yeah, and, and and sort of. Well, now they're not craft, but if they're acting independently, how has the beer changed? Uh, and so, what I find super interesting is that SEBA, the Society of Independent Brewers, um, have the criteria that um, that they're proposing for their magic labeling is that the brewers must produce less than 200,000 hectoliters a year, uh, abide by the standards of ingredient quality, and be fully independent of any global beer company. And to me, mm. that's that's for SEBA, independent brewers, that's fine. But I don't really... I'm less interested in how big the place is or who might own the thing than what the quality of the beer is. So, uh, interestingly, Justin Hawk, who um, runs more, had this uh, lovely quote, For me, size doesn't matter if the brewery remains independent, in control of its own destiny, and maintains quality, flavor, and ethos. And I, I agree with that. I, I think that, that despite the, the fact that Justin might d- disagree with whether, uh, you know, whether that's possible in a parent company, I, I mean, if the quality of the beer is there, then sort of marking it as someone owns the company who owns the company, who owns this, who makes this beer isn't really a bad... Sh- I'm, I, I guess I'm less... I'm, it doesn't seem as consumer-oriented so much as, like, covering what um, what might be better for the industry according to sort of the smaller businesses from being independent. I'm not sure what being what that extra adage of being separate really is doing as far as marking something off to the customer. I'm not sure. Mm. Yeah, possibly. Um, I'm in the article. It then sort of it jumps to to, uh, to Jasper Cupadage, Cupage, perhaps uh, uh, of Camden Town Brewery. Um, it doesn't actually give any quotes from him at all. It just says that he disputes that notion. Um, and says the product can remain unsullied, an autonomous fiefdom within the AB InBev empire. Um, and Camden Town, I know, had a bit of a spat with uh, BrewDog, because right. as soon as Camden Town were picked up uh, by AB InBev, BrewDog pulled all of Camden Town's products from its uh, tap rooms. Yeah. Mm. But I can kind of see where Jasper's coming from, that, that maybe, okay, You've been picked up by a bigger company. Yes, great for the owners because they must get a giant payday yeah. from oh, it. Yeah. But it also opens up distribution. It maybe means they don't have to work quite as hard to get their beers in other places because you know the bigger uh, uh, bigger companies already have lines into either supermarkets right. or you know to other countries as well to be able to push yeah. their beers. Uh, uh, to maybe into Europe and over to into the states and things like that, but I kind of agree with with Justin that there's got to be someone at AB InBev who has got their beady little eye on Camden Town at all times, right? Mm. And you know, and for, for AB InBev, I imagine that the bottom line is all about profit. Yeah, as long as people and, are buying the craft beer. Yeah, and I can't I can't remember which way round it happened, but. I seem to remember that Camden were picked up by AB InBev and meantime were picked up by Sab Miller and then AB InBev and Sab Miller merged and did they and were meantime then dropped or there was talk of one of the two breweries then being dropped because the company as a whole already had its craft Oh they they sold brewery. uh SAB Miller sold meantime to Asahi the Japanese um, there you go. Company. There you go. Uh, because essentially, I assume that they then thought, well, Camden Town is the you know is the craft brand for the the parent company as such. So that's the one that we're going to stick with and we're going to go with. So 
you know, then selling off their, their stake yeah. in the meantime. So yeah. that kind of makes me feel that at the end of the day, it's just a, it's just a product. It's just a commodity well, to be traded. I guess my question is, um, just because a business is small does not make it not a business? No, not at all. So, like, obviously corporate machinery is, is a big thing that you sort of can't stop in a way that small businesses will always have more sort of on-the-ground grassroots relationships and, and, and life and attachment to the product. But um, yeah. playing devil's advocate here, uh, everyone wants to make a buck. So, I mean, there's a reason why, you know, all these um, breweries, small breweries that end up making it big sell out, right? Yeah. And by sell out, I mean literally just sell up to the big guys. I don't blame them, to be honest. I really don't blame them. I, I read this article. I can't remember who it's from. I might try and dig it up and share it to the uh, tank Talk contingent. But I think it was, was it the head brewer? of? I'm not sure if it was um, Dogfish in mm. the US, but um, it was a really good article um, after um, someone over in the US. I I'm completely blanking on their name. Really popular brewery um, had been acquired. And they're basically saying, look, we, we remain friends with these people. We understand why they sold out because, you know, they started from the ground up and now they can never have to worry in their lives. They've achieved their the American dream. Exactly. And it's like we don't hold anything against them for that, but we're not going to be selling our beers in our tap room or, or anything like that because mm. every beer that is sold from then goes to – a being Bev or Heineken or yeah, Carlsberg right. or whatever. And then that takes away from not only them, but other small craft breweries who were trying to do what they did in the start. And so, so I, you can understand it from both ways. It's quite a conundrum. It's hard, but you know, I wouldn't stop buying a particular brew because they were acquired unless they're, you know, the quality really suffered. Yeah. Yeah. That, I think You've seen that with breweries who haven't even been acquired. I won't name names, but the quality suffers when you just get big anyway. And it's it's like if if that if the owner can sell, you know, a portion of the company or all of it to somebody else, and as you say, they've made it. And not only that, it's you know, say if I don't know, Brewdog or I don't know, Vocation or. Stone or some, so, you know, any beer that you see in high street store got acquired, but that in turn makes, you know, makes a name for the craft beer, you know, world. Then in turn that helps because I think the craft beer industry, you know, between 2013 or something and 2017, I mean, the at least over in America, the um you know, their, their portion of the market has doubled. And, yeah. you know, that's like by owed to big companies like Sierra Nevada and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Like mm -hmm. The more of a global imprint those companies have, if they still maintain that reputation or, say, the punk, like Brewdog um, image, and it gets more people into craft beer, then that can only be good for the industry as a whole. So it's a catch-22 and it's a, it's a difficult right. argument. I, I think the one thing that um, I wanted to mention is, is it, on the Guardian article they have sort of the the list of of sort of owned uh, sm quote unquote um, small breweries, craft breweries, which is Camden Town, Mean Town, Mean Time, excuse me, Blue Point, Blue Moon, Goose Island, Sharps, Doombar, London Fields, and Lagunitis, uh, and though and Hop House Thirteen is on that list, and I wanted to make a point to say that never was a craft beer or a sorry a micro or small independent brewery mm. that is a sub brand that um diageo i think unveiled two years ago under the guinness label i was gonna say i yeah. thought it was always under the guinness label yeah know? sorry diageo yeah, yeah. is the guinness owner because they also own yes 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 the, the parent of the parent yeah and so i think that move it is something that i have much more of a moral problem because it, it it definitely seemed when it came out at, to to be saying it was a small thing, but it's 
yeah, owned yeah. by one of the largest alcohol dis- uh, yeah. owners and distributors in the world. Yeah. Um, and I, I, th- have a I think it's pro- all about big- transparency, isn't it? Like, tell people, like, that rate beer acu- acquisition, it's like, that was, sh- that was shady because nobody knew for months. It's like, mm. just tell people, be transparent, and but, a lot of people won't have a problem with it. But, like, I like Goose Island, and they are owned by AB and Bev, who I don't necessarily like. Um, but I'll still pick up a Goose Island IPA every once in a while because it's a tasty yeah. IPA. Yeah. yeah. I don't, but <laughs> I get what you're coming from. <laughs> but, like, uh, to a certain extent, I guess, um, I get the whole, I, I mean, I don't like Diageo, I don't like ABM, Bev, um, but if, does that mean we're so, like, as beer enthusiasts or craft beer enthusiasts are we thus tied to anti-corporate enthusiasm as well no because if i'm thirsty for a beer i'll drink a carling if i need to I really oof, oof, oof. <laughs> yeah, you know not, what I'm we're gonna have to have an episode where we each buy our favorite <laughs> large beer of choice and talk about it I've I've Ooh, been I've been okay. in places where don't sell craft beer many right. many when many. When I was in the Netherlands, yeah. it was like, Amstel yeah, or Heineken. Yeah, I don't hate any company that makes beer. <laughs> no, I mean I you know I think Guinness is my my beer of choice when there's not um, yeah definitely not something tasty on the menu. Um, but I, I'm partial to a Birra Moretti. Um, you know I, I I will sink a Heineken on a very hot. Summer's Day when you've hmm. gone to your mum's so house. A Dutch Heineken is not the, the same as a UK Heineken. Yeah. I know you've you've mentioned several yeah. times yes, because I yes. keep being disappointed when I'm stuck in the UK and I'm like, oh, fine, I'll have a Heineken. I'm like, whoa, what? This cost me extra. What? Mm. <laughs> so to to finish the conversation, uh, we're talking about the idea that transparency is good. Uh, is. I think probably all agree that transparency is good. Uh, that that perhaps it needs to be made clearer, especially with something like the Hop House Thirteen yeah. uh, beers. You know what what that beer is, where it comes from, who has made it, and possibly who owns that. Well, mostly brand because it's a disappointing fake IPA because it's clearly made by corporate recipeing versus some you know crazy lads in a shed. Yeah, yeah, but it's, it's it's about having choice, isn't it? It's all yeah. about knowing a little bit more and, and being able to decide for yourself whether you want to support a bigger company or whether you want to be able to keep drinking the a beer that you enjoy, whether they're picked up by a big company or not. So knowledge is always power. Turns out always. Just like all consumering, you should probably do some. Yes, very much, very much. So the beers we have drunk this week. Uh, Lucy, I'm coming to you first. I think I know the answer. Yes, you do. Uh, it is the one I can't pronounce. No, it's not. Oh, it's, it's pronounced it's the... Carlsberg. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Ilkley Brewery's Alpha Beta. Um, the Bellini Vice from Magic Rock. It was nice. Um, sour beers are not my style, but it's a very palatable and pleasant drink, even if you're not into sour beers. But um, the Alpha Beta, you two have had it. Yeah, you know, it's beer. nice. Mm, uh, mm. Really good session IPA, um, American style. You get that um, tropical notes. You get the fruit at the beginning from the citra hops and bitterness on the back end. Really classic um, kind of IPA, and I really enjoyed that. So that's my favorite this week. Nice, nice. Uh, Adol, how about you, man? I'm going to have to go for the local motive from Fallen Brewing. Um, it's session strength. I guess that's the the only thing I would say is you, it's noticeably session strength. Like, you don't get sort of that, that tinge of alcohol. You can get on some stronger beers. 3.9, 3.5? 3.9, okay. Yeah. Um, but the mosaic dry hopping made the nose and the taste. It, it was a lovely, lovely beer. Um yeah. The, I think the Club Tropicana is um, oof, um, has not been done a good service from the latest run of so the, this summer. It's all about sort of fruity, fruit juicy beers. Yep. And I've, I've had sort of 
I've had sort of more um, balanced. I'm not a big fan of sort of super fruity beers, but like what I had a problem with this one was just that uh, the fruit juice masked more than it mingled. Sure. And there's great examples out right now of of, of beers that, that that do do the mingling. So it's it's the local motive. Nice. Um, not to not to push them too much, but the uh, the good chemistry Kokomo Weekend. Yep. Is uh, is a fantastic beer. Uh, a very good example of that kind of uh, of beer. Hi Sam. Um, <laughs> out of the, the the two beers I had, the Willem Remaining Light and the Buxton Brewery Kingslayer, I I'm going to go with the Willem Remaining Light. Okay. This sweetness from the Kingslayer is the alcohol. So mm. the more I've drank it, the more I have noticed that that is the alcohol pushing through gotcha. rather than it being the sweetness from the, the malts. There is, you know, there is those, those, those biscuity kind of malts there. Right. But, but actually it is a little bit overpowered by the, the alcohol content and, and yeah. nothing is kind of bigger than that, which is, you know, why I was talking about the sweetness so much, I think. Uh, so the Willem remaining light is a good beer. Very, very bitter. It's a very heavy, bitter uh, pale ale, but it's more of a, a balanced. It is bitter, but it's it's definitely more of a balanced beer, I think, than the um, than the King Slayer. King Slayer, yeah, King Slayer. Yeah, um, is that the so, name yeah, of the Final Fantasy thing? No, uh, King's Clave. Uh, uh, Final <laughs> Fantasy Fifteen humans, yes, yes. The film, in fact, yeah, the the, the yeah, film prequel to FF Fifteen. Just stop. carry on. Let's end it. I don't want to talk nice. about fantasy. We'll do that later. We'll do that when we finish recording. Nice. So you can get us on all of the social medias and talk to us about the beers you've been drinking. Talk to us about. You know, big brewers picking up little brewers and what you think about that, or talk to us about any of the games you've been playing. Over on Twitter at tanktap underscore cast. We're on email tanktapcast at gmail.com. We've got a Facebook page. We are part of the Out of Lives Network. You can go to outoflives.net to look at lots of articles, to listen to lots of other podcasts, including the uh, the refreshed and renewed Out of the Crossfire, the PlayStation podcast, which I have decided to host every other week now. Uh, you know, being the big PlayStation fan that I am, uh, and Adel was uh, was a guest this the week. First guest on our, if the first guest, in fact, yes, okay. correct on the so that is up on the out of life. No, it's out on the out of the crossfire feed, um, or on outoflives.net if you want to go and listen to that. Uh, Lucy, you've got lots of different Twitter handles and gamer tags and things for people to talk to you and play with you I'm, through. Oh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you want to play with me, you can add me on <laughs> Xbox and PlayStation, God knows with Nintendo, at JuicyLoose9. Um, follow me on Twitter, BeerResistible underscore, and I'd just like to give a couple shout-outs. Um, Leftfield Beer in Birmingham. Um, I picked up some beer from them. They're quite unheard of, uh, yep. sort of like a... Uh, online retailer where you can get beer. I picked up my beer. So if you're in the Birmingham area, if there are any Birmingham listeners, go pick up your beer and uh, just call back to our live episode, uh, the charity stream. Um, is it Gamers United Against uh, Dementia? Yeah. Dementia. Yeah. Yep. Uh, you can still donate or still read up about it. We've posted some links about um, dementia and how it relates to gaming and vice versa. So yeah, check yes. those out. And that's it for me. Nice, nice. Uh, Adol, how do people chat to you, man? Uh, you can reach me on all of the things at the Omniarch. Um, add me on your Steams, your PSNs, your Xboxes. Um, if you want my Nintendo friend code, just add me on one of those other things and we'll sort it out. Um, or <laughs> visit the Facebook page. Uh, also, um, as always, we want to talk to more people and ha- hit more ears, so don't be afraid to tell a friend who's into beer or gaming. About tanked up. 
definitely it's the the best way to spread the word and keep the conversation going uh if you'd like to chat to me i'm nova underscore 47 on almost everything but for another week we have been tanked up take it easy bye-bye i win again i mean ciao Sharp's Doombar. Yeah, he gives a fuck. Yeah. Yeah. It's... I hadn't heard of Doombar until, like, well, a few months ago. It's been ago, owned since, by really? Molson since... Why are yeah. we... Stop looking at the things. We'll talk about it on air. You recording? <laughs> I'll just I'll just cut uh, this in at the 30-minute mark. It'll be fine. Okay. <laughs> 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 the most hodgepodge shit edit possible. Nice. Nice.